You are listening to The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston and I am back fresh from the Eurostar this afternoon, coming in from Paris where I was there to watch the uh, final laps of honour by Carlos Sastre after his excellent win in this year's Tour de France, continuing a succession of three Spanish riders to have won the Tour de France in the last three years and of course uh, Spanish victories in, at Wimbledon and um, in the European uh, Cup in football so um, Spain's doing well So uh, down on the Champs-Élysées was not actually my first time watching the Tour de France this year because I was over in Brittany for the Grand Départ, the big um, opening weekend. First time that the Tour had been in Brittany for some time and they seem to take it to their hearts. Uh, the Bretons are well-known cyclists. Well, of course, Paris-Brest-Paris Paris is a is a, uh, a ride that goes through Brittany and um, there are various successful riders whose names are escaping me in the heat of today Bernard Eno um, I think the most famous the Badger um, I, I went through his hometown actually because I was cycling along myself um, a little bit had some friends with a camper van and we were able to watch the tour on a kind of wet and windy day um, the cycling in Brittany was hilly and actually the area around Saint-Brieuc where uh, I was and um, around that area, kind of 60, 80 kilometres south um, and and east, was not actually that good for cycling because a lot of the roads seemed to have pretty hefty prohibitions on, on cyclists and um, you ended up having to take amazingly circuitous routes to get around. And, of course, in Brittany, every wind is a headwind and um, and that was most unwelcome. It was also raining a bit. But um, apart from that, we did manage to have a lot of fun, watch some cycling and eat some seafood. And then um, three weeks later, I headed down to uh, the centre of France, the very centre of France, La France Profonde. If you were to take a map of France and stick a uh, pin into the point that you thought was the middle you'd probably stick it into a town called uh, Serry, which is pretty unremarkable, small village of about a 1,000 souls, um, a little bit south of the Forêt de Troncé, which is a big oak forest um, down there in the middle of France in the Allier region. And um, it was to Serry that I went to meet up with Guy Andrews, editor of Rouleau magazine, and Graham Fife, who's a writer and broadcaster. Both have frequently appeared on The Bike Show, um, Graham Fife uh, writing a piece for Rouleau magazine and also updating his own Tour de France book, which is published by Mainstream and now in its ninth edition, amazingly. Anyway, I met up with uh, Guy and Graham for a chat about you know, reflections on this year's Tour de France. And bear in mind that this conversation took place last Friday before we knew um, who was the winner, ultimately. And I began by asking Guy how Rouleau was covering the Tour de France this year. 
We've been covering it since the start, since uh, the, the first stage in Brest, and uh, Camille McMillan was out in Brest doing pictures, and we have uh, two or three other photographers, two, two German photographers, and uh, a Dutch photographer, Reen van der Hoe, who's been following the tour the whole, the whole way. Uh, we've also had uh, Gerard Brown down in the Alps, covering the Alpine section. So we've, we've covered it pretty wholesale from, from day one. Graham's been here for a week, sort of deep undercover, and he's been looking at the, uh, the way the tour affects a French town, a small French town. And Sarah Lee's perfect. It's, it, it's small, it's compact, and they really are embracing the tour. You've been here for uh, a few days, um, and Graham's been here all week. What's it like as a journalist and editor covering the Tour de France? Is it like being on holiday? Is it the kind of the best week of the year, or is it a bit of a pain? Do you, you know, does it sound a lot more glamorous than it really is? Well, if you ask my colleagues in the office, they'll say that I'm on holiday again. But um, it's uh, it, there's a lot of driving involved. There's a lot of toing and froing. There's quite a lot of logistics involved. But essentially, yeah, I'm a cycling fan, so I love being here. It's fantastic. And do you get reasonable access to the riders? We get very good access to the riders. The, the, the teams are being a lot more open. There's, there's been a, a very much a, an opening up of the doors for us to go and speak to the riders, to go and speak to the team, to spend time in the team cars, to do all that. And I think that's part of cycling's new culture. You know, the, it's less of the, no, 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 you can't go and speak to that rider at a certain time. They, they really do want us to come in and be a part of the, what they do. And I personally think that's great. And it's great for our magazine because that's the way we like to cover things. And Graham, how do you like being out on the road rather than uh, at home in your study tapping away on the keyboard well I've been tapping on the way on the keyboard here as well um, but it's been great um, I arrived on Monday night and just total immersion in French and in the small community talking to people looking listening has been been terrific because the um, the point about Ruler is that it is looking for a wider perspective on not just the you know the not not just the racing but on cycling the whole the whole culture of it really and I hope you know that this will contribute because it is my interest above all that side of things. How will the tour affect this town and why have they been so keen to bring it here? Well, it was the senator who's the former mayor who had the connections. They'd been working on it for 20 years and they finally landed it. And uh, the other night, just after I arrived, I went down to, uh, to the uh, Annauberge for, for a meal and there was a, a lorry uh, unloading barriers and one of the people helping was the daughter of the senator, another man, the mayor, and he's been at the centre of it, really organising this uh, this massive operation that is the Tour de France coming to Sailly. And I've been here since Monday, it's now Friday, and I've talked to a lot of people just listening to casual conversation. Um, in the news agents the other day, a, a man saying to the, to the woman, you know, oh, it's the only par which is free. She misheard him. She said, the only par which is free. And he said, no, the only spur which is free, which is really nice. But I spoke to the, the, the mayor, very nice man, amiable, who's really generated the enthusiasm. He appointed um, an ex-chief of the post here, um, retired before his time, who's taken on the responsibility for organizing the operation, which is a massive undertaking. For example, we're sitting here, we see some barriers over there. They had to, they've got to barrier 3.5, roughly, kilometers 
um, uh, of the road, they've had to borrow barriers from communes all around. So they, they don't get these barriers provided by the Tour de France organisation? No, they have to do it. They take on that responsibility. I mean, barriers, rubbish, three heliports on fields around, around, the, around the town, all the parking. It all has to be done by, the, by, the, um, by the, the, the little town. They have tremendous support from the ASO, the organisation, no money, um, but with advice and the, the ASO, very, very good at um, liaison. But just the physical operation of organising this thing is massive. And for a town with only 1,500 um, inhabitants, and I can't pretend to have spoken to the majority of them, but I've spoken to a lot, you know, just little, as I say, little snatches of conversation which you get. I spent a lot of time with the mayor and with his um, adjutant, you might say. Um, and it, the grip of it may perhaps be summarised what the guy has hinted at uh, the, w one of the waitresses at the hotel where we're sitting, which is where I've been staying, I said, well, you know, what do you feel about the, the Tour de France? And she looked at me and she beamed a lovely smile and said, well, it's an honour. And that's how they feel it is. Absolutely. And it's not bad for getting the name of the town known. You know, it's a good bit of television coverage on the day. Um, it's in all the newspapers. They get to showcase the area. There, there must be something in that in terms of uh, economic opportunities tourism and the like well I hope there is I mean the main uh, economy around here is agricultural uh, but there is tourism too and um, I was talking to the, the the man who is you know in practical organization of, of the thing and he said well other time trials 20 25,000 people coming into a little place like this well at the, on the day there's not going to be much commerce because you can't get anywhere but afterwards they're going to stay on there's going to be money but example local cheesemaker has uh, got together a, a great stack of milk churns old milk churns and on a grassy slope just by the side of the uh, the, the course of the time trial he's going to spell out serie um, in milk churns in milk churns with the helicopters going across oh we see a team car going through there probably checking out the course um, and the, the roofs oh, by the VIP park are going to have vive la tour serie and for them, it's, it is a big deal. It's their name on the maps. First time the tour has been through here. Um, and um, the commercial opportunity, we hope, will, and they must hope, uh, will spin off from that. And people really throw themselves into decorating the town. I mean, there's the guy with the milk churn spelling out the name of the town in a field. But, you know, just behind where you're sitting now, there's a, there's a bicycle that's been uh, covered in paper flowers and, and, and beautifully painted uh, green and, and yellow. Uh, there, there's a guy just across the square who's stringing up a bicycle with some tinsel on it outside his house. The pharmacy has got bicycles in the window. You know, people enjoy prettifying uh, the town in honour of the tour, don't they? Oh, they do. Uh, prettifying is an, is, is an interesting word because some of those rust heaps that they stick in windows are, you know, seen very much better days a long, long time ago. Yeah, but the, by the side of the road, um, bicycles hung up from telegraph poles, strung, strung off um, um, wires, hooked over balconies, everywhere bikes because they celebrate it. It's the tour which has been going for over 100 years. They love it. It's very animating for a community like this. Obviously... We are talking now on Friday um, and we don't know the result of the tour, how uh, the time trial is going to play out tomorrow and how, even how the stage today and on Sunday is going to finish. But um, So we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But can you look back over the last almost three weeks and say you know, what is 
the big story of this year's tour. How will the 2008 tour be remembered? Well, uh, people will have different analyses of it. For, for me, m- latterly, thinking of who may win, Cadell Evans um, or uh, Carlos Sastra, as it has happened, it is the, it is the, the juxtaposition of the team... CSC, which have ridden themselves into the ground for whoever was going to, to, to emerge from them as the strongest rider. And Cadell Evans, for instance, the other day in the last, the last day in the Alps, it was Evans against the CSC. But the CSC train was going really hard off the front and doing actually the job that Evans's team might have been expected to do. All he had to do was sit in there. Okay, he had to follow a pretty, a pretty stern pace, but you don't win a Tour de France unless you're the best, the strongest rider. Um, and it's quite obvious that the CSC, in decision of who was going to be the leader, Sastre or Frank Schleck, have said, doesn't matter, the road will decide. And on Alpe d'Huez, it was Sastre who, who took the time. Whether it's enough, we'll, we'll see. And Evans was just driving along, but all he had to do was stay there. It's not very interesting, maybe. This is a tour of transition, a, a tour, you know, it's quite interesting, as we were discussing the other day, you know, that... Um, Evans' uh, sponsors, they, um, they do anti-snoring, um, who make, make of that what you will. But um, anyway, that is a story from this tour, but, you know, Guy will have a, a different idea. I'm yeah, sure. Guy, how will you remember the 2008 tour? Um, well, I think the earliest stages, um, Mark Cavendish, for me, has been the highlight, obviously, being a, a fan of his and um, obviously being a British rider, or a Manx rider, should I say. Um, <laughs> But I think that was the highlight for me, the early parts of the tour. It's very, very exciting in watching, watching Mark do so well. Um, so, yeah, I think that. I think also uh, going over the rest of the farm was, was amazing. That was a great day. Beautiful photography from that day uh, on, the, uh, on the TV. Um, and that took me right back to when I started getting into cycling and watching Robert Miller go over there. So, um, so yeah, I think they're the two highlights for me. Um, Looking to the future for Mark Cavendish, in the very near future he's got the Olympics, but will he be able to maintain his explosive sprint finish in the last 200 metres as he gets older? You know, are there physiological changes that take place in a rider that, that will make him become a different kind of rider? How do you see his career panning out? Because he's only 23, 22? He's 23, yeah. I, I think Mark, Mark Cavendish has probably got um, a long future ahead of him. I think he's one of those riders, he has phenomenal talent, not just in explosive speed, but also in, in bike handling skills. Um, his whole physiology is, is very suited to cycling too. He's not a, a Pataki or a Cipollini character. You know, he's, he's, he's underrated for the fact that he doesn't need the, drive, the, the, the lead-out train. He's been criticised slightly in the press for that. Um, but I think that's wrong because he does. He can make his way back to the front on his own. He doesn't need a team. He's a very canny rider, um, and I also think he's a very mature rider. I mean, he shoots from the hip occasionally in interviews, but essentially he he knows what he's doing, um, and he can smell the finish line. Um, it's been said by Alan Piper, his his DS, um, that he he that's what he wants. He wants to win, and I think he will adapt the way he rides. Um, I think he's more of a Stuart O'Grady or a sort of Laurent Jalabert type of rider. So I think the early part of his career will see him winning a lot of bunch sprints. But I think as time goes on, he'll develop into more of a, a one-day specialist, perhaps a classics rider. I hope because I think that's that's where he could excel. I think um, you know races like um, Gent Wavelham and uh, Tour of Flanders are, are, are suited to a, a guy like him. He's a he's a tough character.
And obviously, one of the lowest points in this uh, Tour de France has been the uh, disgrace of Riccardo Rico, who came along from a second place finish in the Giro d'Italia and some spectacular rides um, in, in, in victory over the Pyrenees, then to fail drugs test for this previously untestable, undetectable third generation of EPO. Rico is 23 years old and his disgrace in a way has shown that it's we can't just rely on generational change to get rid of doping from the peloton. It's a, a sort of philosophical um, comment on sport really isn't it? I, I don't necessarily think that, that cycling is alone and I think there's always going to be you know there's always going to be uh, one-offs the, the problem is, obviously, is people are going to be cynical about it and say, well, things haven't changed. And I it think, didn't seem to be a one-off. It was his whole team. Well, I think it was, but I think his whole team, I mean, Beltran, uh, originally, he's old school. He's from the old guard. So I think I think it's one of those things that, that, that you know, we, we have to concentrate on the fact that there are riders, there are young riders coming through who are very much outspoken about doping. Um, I mean, you know, obviously people will say that Rico is outspoken about doping and so is people, but, you know, the... You know, it, I th- I believe them. You know, I think I think there has definitely been a change within the team managements as well. I think the way they're approaching the media, the way they're approaching the organisation is different. They're a lot more open to um, to talking to us about doping. You know, they they want to talk about it. I think I think those days of a murder, we're leaving those behind. I I wouldn't say that people want to sort of tell tales and talk out of school, but I think they're they're more more. Uh, comfortable talking about doping now which I think is promising. I think and do you think there's been any change with the uh, UCI being shut out essentially and, and, and the role being taken on by the French and Italian national anti-doping agencies, that made any change or, or, or not really at all? Oh you're opening a can of worms there. <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think we're going through a transition in the sport wholesale and I don't think that that's I think the, what the UCI are doing uh, I personally applaud. I think you know they're doing a very difficult job up against um, some very powerful organisations. I think the ASO also are doing a very good job, but they are the powerful organisation that the UCI are battling against. And I think it's, it's a, an age-old problem in cycling as a sport where we have federations and organisations battling against one another, and I think that's bad for the sport. Um, I really do want them to you know, bury the hatchet and actually try and work out a way through this it's looking bad at the moment to be honest between the UCI and the ASO but um, I think as time will go on I think hopefully they can find some common ground I, you know you can only hope for that and so I'm going to ask both of you and bearing in mind that this is the Friday before the Sunday who do you want to win and who is going to win and we'll see who turns out to be right this is definitely a blind <laughs> a blind guess so so graham who 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 are you rooting for and who's going to do it i'm not rooting for anybody um it's that kind of tour i think uh, n- nobody has seized my imagination apart from cavendish i mean that that really stands out for me as the the great spiritual lift of this tour see him coming over the line chateau rue i know this is not quite answering the question chateau rue that wonderful elation in his his and but surprise too but then in toulouse yeah i'm the guy hands up i think cadell evans will win it um he he isn't a rider with much panache but he is a stayer and if he proves to be the strongest then he'll be the winner guy quickly who do you want to win who's going to win um 
who's going to win? I think it's going to be the closest tour since Le Monde beat Fignon in Paris. I think it's going to be seconds, and I think Sastre will do it. I think the yellow jersey on his back, you know, it, it will make a difference. I think he'll do it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I want Sastre to win after his fantastic race up the Alpe d'Huez, which is one of my favourite climbs. And I think, yeah, the yellow jersey is going to give him wings, and he's going to do it. Well, that was Graham Fife getting it wrong, and uh, Guy Andrews and myself getting it right down there in um, Serhi, where the time trial. Uh, on Saturday took place. It was very hot sitting out on the road, but not as hot as it was for the riders who were cycling that 53 kilometres. Anyway, Carlos Sastre managed to hold off Cadell Evans um, and uh, keep his losses down to uh, just under a minute, and uh, he came in to win what what I think is a very well-deserved victory in the 2008 Tour de France. And uh, we're not quite finished with the Tour de France because if you... Um, wanted to hear what it sounds like on the side of the road. I mean, you might have watched it on TV, but there's nothing like being there and watching it come through. And it may be just for a couple of seconds. And as Johnny Green said when he came on the show a couple of years ago, you know, you wait all day and it's just a whoosh, but what a whoosh it is. I did a little recording um, down on the side of the road in the town of Commentry on the on the uh, race, about 20 kilometres from Mont-Luçon. And uh, this, is, this is what it sounded like. So that that was the first two riders coming through three minutes twenty five ahead of the peloton, which we will now fast forward to. the sound of the Tour de France in 2008 and bear in mind that was not the finish that was that was just a small town on the route and and that that is happening in every small town across France that is passed by the Tour de France it's really a spectacle that that until you go out there until you witness it um, and enjoy um, the life that it generates on the streets 
it, you, you can't quite get it from the TV, even though watching it from a racing point of view, if you're trying to follow what's happening in the race, the TV is much better and you don't really don't know what's going on when you're on the side of the road. But just for the spectacle, which is what I think makes the Tour de France, and I think most French people would agree with that, um, it, it's being out on the side of the road. So next year, you know, it starts on the 4th of July and runs for three weeks. Book your tickets now. Get out there on the Eurostar. Um, if you do want to... Um, uh, watch uh, a, a DVD, which is which I, I think there's been a couple of good DVDs uh, recently about the Tour de France. The best one is Hell on Wheels or Holland Tour, which is a German-made um, uh, uh, feature film uh, looking particularly at um, Eric Zabel and his uh, teammates in the Team Mobile team. That's really good. Also, it's particularly if you're interested in Carlos Sastre, who's just won, um, then Overcoming, which I think is a less good film in filmmaking terms, but you'll get a glimpse of what Carlos Sastre is like. Um, and, and he seems to be a pretty um, pretty nice guy, actually, kind of quiet guy, um, always been you know, deputy to someone. And I, I think it's really nice to see him um, in the limelight, finally, at the age of 33, which uh, gives hope for us all of uh, one day winning the Tour de France. Um, for those of you who entered the Ruler magazine competition from the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, thank you. We do have 10 copies that are being sent out. Um, you should have received an email or you will receive an email very quickly. We, we couldn't give everybody who got the answer correct um, a copy, but there are 10 heading out there and hopefully some more along the way when the next issue comes out featuring um, Graham Fife's story on uh, what happens in a small village when the Tour de France passes by. Thank you to everyone who's uh, sent in emails also with their sub-24-hour overnight cycle camping ideas. Some really inspiring places. Uh, very welcome. Keep those coming in. Places where you would go on a bicycle with a little tent and a stove just to get away from it all for a night and be back by breakfast. I'd love to hear where those places are because we're going to be featuring this later in the season. And now to play us out is a blast of hyper-kitsch um, actually, I think it's not French. I think it's I think it's Belgian chanson, which features in a edition of Ruby's Chicky Boilups, which is a podcast radio show on Radio Nowhere that I appeared on as a guest for an entire Tour de France show. I'll put a link to that um, on the Bike Show's web page, www.thebikeshow.net. Um, but playing us out is Annie Duparc, La Bicyclette which was featured in amongst a lot of other cycling songs on Ruby's Chicky Boil-Ups on Radio Nowhere, featuring me as a special guest a few weeks ago. So um, check it out. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Avec ma jupe écossaise sur mon petit vélo J'ai l'air d'aller au frais Mais je vais au boulot Pareil qu'on manque d'énergie Qu'il faut faire des économies Je ne prends plus mon auto Je prends mon vélo, c'est plus beau La vie, la bicyclette C'est bon, c'est bon pour les mollets La vie, la bicyclette Ça fait toujours son petit effet La vie, la bicyclette Ça vous oblige à pédaler La vie, la bicyclette C'est bon, c'est bon pour la santé Je pars sur mon vélo Chercher de l'oxygène Des fleurs, des escargots En passant devant le pompiste Qui me regarde l'air tout triste
triste Je crie bonjour chez vous Mon carburant c'est mes genoux La vie, la bicyclette C'est bon, c'est bon pour les mollets La vie, la bicyclette Ça fait toujours son petit effet La vie, la bicyclette Ça vous oblige à pédaler 